You're listening to the Winter Hughes Podcast with Joe and Eric Hughes. And now, here's the Hughes Brothers. Welcome into Win or Hughes, the latest episode in the new Bay Area sportscast with a heavy focus on the Oakland A's. I'm your host, Joe Hughes, alongside my brother, Eric Hughes, and we're going to be talking a lot of A's baseball this year, and the season started, Rick. Opening day has happened. We've got a chance to see the A's play games that count. Opening day on a Thursday, then an off day on Friday, so you had to wait. Fortunately, it was with a good taste in your mouth because you were talking about a fun A's win, so if you had to wait a day, you didn't have to do it with like a loss getting you know shoved by Shohei Otani. You had a good win. It was a cool experience. We want to talk about opening day. We're going to talk about the major league debut of Shintaro Fujinami and just kind of overall early impressions, small sample size of the Oakland A's. Uh, we're going to get into it first with opening day, which is a holiday. You know, for any baseball fan and A's fan, opening day is a holiday. It's a tradition you and I really celebrate. And I want to get into some of those traditions because opening day for the A's this year was very cool. And I know there was a lot of hype. Maybe that's coming off the WBC. There was a lot of excitement. Not as much from last year. You know, people were a little sour, but the way that opening day happened was really cool. And I want to give you a chance because you had a really cool experience. You got a last minute call. We were going to the game together. Our cousin hit you up with a last minute experience to go do something, you know, that like just adds to why opening day can be such a cool day. And I want to give you a chance. Go ahead and tell that story and talk about that experience, man. Wow. Memorable opening day to say the least. Honestly, could have been one of the best opening days I've ever had. I feel like you say that every year though. Like when they when the A's win on opening day, you're like, best opening day ever. Yeah, this one takes the cake though. So uh I actually I was down at Mary and Joe's Sporting Goods. If you're in the East Bay, you you may know them. If you don't and you're looking for some gear, go in there and check it out. I popped in. I wanted to get a new hat for the season. Um, I was checking them out. And uh, honestly, I, I was, you know, should I get the Kelly Green? Should I get a brand new um, home hat? And, and I got the text that said, hey, you want to be part of the flag ceremony? And, you know, honestly, I it was just that things started happening all at once. I got a call from you trying to figure out how we're going to get to the stadium. I'm still trying to figure out what's going to be my new hat for the year. And it was just kind of a little overwhelming because all these things started happening at once. And so I I said back, uh, I don't know if I'll make it in time. Uh, Don't count on me. Um, They came back. You're the only one we're asking. So if you can make it, come on down. It's yours. If you can't, no worries. And it just kind of hit me, you know, like this isn't one of those things you can go, oh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll do it the next game. It was like, no, this is the opportunity. Forget the hat. You got hats um, or just pick one. And so I I, I did just I rushed out. Um, Kelly Nealon, uh, the owner of Mary and Joe, she's like, where, where are you going? I'll, I'll order different hats. It wasn't the selection. So, yeah, um, I, I booked out. I uh, got back home. Uh, I definitely had told my wife that I was going to be leaving a lot later in the day. And with very little communication, uh, we did a kid exchange. Uh, not not so much an exchange, more I just dropped off the kids that I had. And I took off. And uh, I was really hoping to get peanuts and sunflower seeds to be all loaded up. And I was like, you know what? They have it at the game. So popped on BART. Um, you know, probably had to wait maybe five minutes for my BART train. 
and just absolutely lucked out. Um, got to go meet up with uh, our cousins who gave us that uh, that invitation there, and it was incredible. We went down into the tunnel, and I got to be part of the flag ceremony. So how did they, they walk you in? You just go into the stadium, and then you met up with somebody, and they take you down to the bowels of, like, they said, if you can't get here by this time, just meet us in section 142. So while I'm all BART, I pulled up a stadium map, and you can't find 142 anywhere on the map. It goes to like 139, 141, then you jam over to the other side. And I'm like, oh, what is this ghost section that doesn't even exist? And uh, so we even got there and I, I asked them, I was like, where is 142? And uh, they were like, no, we've never heard of it either. It's like the 13th floor in like a hotel, like elevator. Yeah, so we, we asked a couple of security guards. They were like, oh, yeah, just go that way. And it was like, oh, they don't even know where it is. They just don't want to be bothered by us. <laughs> They're like, it's a circle. Just keep walking. You'll find it. We got over by the bleachers and somebody was like, what are you looking for? They they kind of, kind of tell we were looking around. And we were like, 142. And they were like, oh, yeah, just right this way. I was like, it does exist? And she, <laughs> she started laughing. She was like, yeah, it exists. And then we just saw a group of people... Um, you know, uh, collecting together, and well, oh, it's probably that group of people. We got some wristbands. They they check you in to make sure you're part of the crew, and then you come in like underneath the Bart Bridge, and uh, you go down the tunnel towards the gate in center field. And we walk down, and there's uh, a guy kind of leading it. And he's like, "Okay, everybody, watch the video, right?" And we're kind of mm. like smiling and nodding. And he's given a demonstration of everything that you have to do and probably 20 feet away. So it's way more um, complicated than it looks where it's hold flag, lift up and down. Like the, it, it looks it, like it the is. parachute and that you play with your kids or that you played when you were like in kindergarten. We were down there for over an hour, to be honest. Really? Um, for Well, part of it is, you know, going over the stuff, getting the flag out. We practiced in the tunnel. Um you know, there are people that are down there that have already had a few pops and the guy that's uh, kind of <laughs> leading it, he was kind of getting annoyed and he started just like quizzing people. You, what, what are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to do? Um, so it was a little entertaining, but even while he's giving his spiel, uh, 20 feet away from us, Shohei Otani goes walking by. And so we kind of looked over, oh my gosh, it's Shohei. So I'm not listening at all. I pull out my phone <laughs> and I start taking some pictures um and there's a, a cage out there in center field yeah. and i guess he must be out there warming up and then we go and we start pulling the flag out and mike trout comes by and he's got his headphones in and um but he's honestly 10 15 feet away from us we're all holding this huge flag at this point a couple guys were like mike and uh you know he was looked like he was talking on the phone he gave us a little like peace sign and a nod then he went into the pen, and he's he's literally, there's a cement wall. It doesn't go all the way up, but you can hear him hitting these balls, and he's just hitting them in the sweet spot. They have a different sound with those guys, man. It's, it's crazy because you hear guys talk about that, but then you go to those batting practice, and you see those guys that, like, I remember Cespedes was one of those guys. Frank Thomas was one of those guys that, like, when you hear the guys that, like, can do it different, even just in batting practice, it sounds way different than when you're out there for just like seeing like a guy hit, you know? Like he is 
popping them. And uh, yeah. yeah, it was great. So we got to see Otani throwing against the uh, outfield wall for a little bit. And then and, uh, it was go time and we got to go out on there on the field. I was, you know, fortunate enough to be uh, one of the first people out there. My thing was like, oh, just fly under the radar, get a piece in the middle and just start waving that flag. And because, you know, I, I was kind of a last minute invite, I just kind of was following the crowd. And the guy's like, okay, we need really strong people to have the corner piece. And with, you know, a couple shoulder surgeries, I'm like, all right, avoid a quarter at all costs. Next thing you know, I got the corner piece. Was an old lady not available? <laughs> no, I, not. I, I even tried to fleece an old lady into taking my spot, but uh, she wouldn't do it. But yeah, I had a backpack as well. I wasn't supposed to take that. So I threw that under my, my jacket. And uh, so some people were like, oh, you must be the strong guy. I was like, yeah, look at these back muscles. And uh, <laughs> they wouldn't let us take our hats on the field either. So okay. I didn't put my hat in the backpack because I've got the flag and the backpack's already on there. So then I just shoved my hat uh, up the jacket. They told us to put our hats in the dirt. And I was like, oh, that's not too bad. One guy was like, I love the Coliseum, but I'm not getting dirt on this hat. Coliseum dirt, bro. Oh yeah, it's you know it's it's not regular dirt. That's the dirt of champions. Yeah, and uh, it's been a while, but yeah, maybe it's the same dirt. Yeah. Um, uh, it was great though. Got to go out there, be a part of the ceremony. Honestly, I didn't watch the video, so I was kind of you know looking around and trying to get it. Um, I missed the cue. I was gonna say, isn't the cue just the national anthem? And you guys were like, oh, well, that's. That's when we unfurl it, when he starts singing. There's a part in the song where um, then you start shaking it. You're supposed to just keep all mm. the tension out. <laughs> a lot of pressure. Make sure yeah. that thing doesn't touch the ground, right? It's a it's a big flag, and you want to go out and make sure you're, you're uh, showing your country respect and all that good stuff. But, you know, I, I am just such a huge fan of opening day. Love the opening day atmosphere always. And to get a chance to go on the field and be a part of it was just amazing. Horrific experience. Then we, we finished that up, put the flag back, and uh, headed on over. It got to our seats, and just in time to see an awesome catch from Esteyuri Ruiz. Dude, he's got a tough name to say, and it's like, it's the, it's the double R. It's the ending with the R sound going into the other R sound in Ruiz. And it's not as bad. Like, I'll give you a name that I had to do when I was at a, a radio station is like, you like to roll into these names, right? And so his, it's, they've got the pronunciation guide in the media guide and it says S2 Re Ruiz. And you're like, man, I can't really like roll my R in that Ru because you want to go Ru. You've got to finish his name. You've got to complete that E sound and then start the next R sound with Ruiz. Otherwise, it all just runs together like Estrees. It's a little bit unfamiliar of a name. You don't know a lot of guys with that name? I'd say, yeah, maybe not the most common. I do think it's one that I will get, but I have heard so many different pronunciations that it was kind of hard to pick. So I know I've heard Estuary. I've been hearing Estuary. Esti yeah, I, and now I'm just I'm butchering it now. So I'm just going to call him Ruiz. Well, I'll tell you what, Chris Townsend on A's cast, they're, they're just calling him Esty, like like a nickname, like just, hey, Esty, yeah. Esty, okay, Esty. All right, as long as he's all right with that. Now, uh, yeah, so I, I think that's good, but 
Yeah, just incredible. I always love opening day. Always get up for opening day. And then this one was just definitely uh, one for yeah. the books w- without Dude, a doubt. think about it. You were there opening day for your team on the field, holding the flag. Well, Otani, Trout are lining up. The A's are lining up and their fireworks are going off. Like we joke a little bit about how much you love the bunting, but there is something special about opening day and the pomp and circumstances. And I know it, you know, when you're out there and you're watching it, like you guys are just ants. Like I, if I didn't know who you were, I'm not looking out there and be like, oh, look at that guy. He looks cool or anything like that. But you are part of the ceremony that makes it cool for the fans. And you're down there on the field on opening day for guys like us that are, you know, a little bit uh, vertically challenged and, you know, like had athletic Mm -hmm. skills in different directions in baseball. You know, like that's a dream you've had since you were a little kid to be on the field on opening day. You didn't get to hear your name called because they're not like Eric Hughes in the corner waving the flag. (laughs) Yeah. Flag bearer. Yeah. No. uh, Yeah. And it wasn't fireworks night. So, uh, yeah, just incredible. And then the icing on the cake is uh, I I got to be on the the TV broadcast as well. A little Superman going on. A couple people. Yeah, well, that's because I couldn't wear the hat. But that was really <laughs> cool. Got some pictures from people that saw. So just, that was just the icing on the cake. Definitely one for the books, one to remember. I totally love opening day and just what a great experience that was. What about you? What What was the experience for you uh, as somebody that was uh, watching from the stands? Yeah, I wasn't as cool as you are, but uh, I'll tell you something that was really cool. It was there was a different energy and vibe and there usually is for opening day. That's kind of natural people getting excited. But last year with the way that everything went down, we had the long lockout. The team got turned around. Guys got traded quickly. It was a whole new team and it just fell apart really fast. Didn't have a lot of time for the A's to put things together. The whole shroud of what what's going to happen with the stadium was hanging over there. And I think there was just kind of a lot of bitterness for fans, understandably so, about what was going on with the team. I think a lot of that was like everybody put all of that aside, at least for one day. Those frustrations still exist, but hey, I'm going to ignore what I'm frustrated about with this team, and I'm going to focus on what I love about this team. I'm excited to be back in Oakland for however long long the team's going to be here, and I'm excited to be back because what makes part, part of what makes it special, those fans, when you're there it's such a cool little community to be a part of. The energy's good. Everyone's really friendly. You know, you're you're making friends with who you sit next to and everything. And, you know, that changes every game and you're making new friends every single time. The vibes were incredible. And I know there were a lot of people that took some cheap shots at the A's uh, during the pregame ceremony because we know as fans that party's happening in the parking lot. People are out there barbecuing, mm-hmm. enjoying mm-hmm. cold ones mm-hmm. and... So there were 26,000 people there for opening day. It's not a sellout, so I get that. But they took a look at that like pregame picture with everybody lined up and the stadium still looking really empty. And they were tweeting out like, oh, that's pathetic and everything like that. Because that was not a snapshot of what it actually was like on opening day. That was just a, a, a simple cheap shot that people were taking. But, I mean, it was cool. I mean, the only thing that I'll, I'll say is like we talked about it at the game. The Coliseum is not used to having big crowds regularly anymore. So th- those concessions, the lines are long. You know, you, you still got to like funnel your way through like the areas that kind of like bottleneck you as you're trying to get around. Once you're in your seat, once you got, you know, your food and beverage, which was an if for some people, it's really cool. And it was really fun. The energy was cool. And not only that, we had a really good game. That first game there, also my first game watch with the pitch clock. 
And that game moves. Everything kind of, there was a lot of action. So you still had enough time to talk to the people you were next to, but then the game's moving real quick. And there was, so it's like, you're having a little conversation, action. You're having a little conversation, action. And like, it, it was cool because you didn't have these like long moments where like the conversation was dying out a little bit and nothing's happening in the field. And so you're just sitting there quiet next to each other, not knowing what to say because there was like something continuously happening. So I, I agree with you. Like, I know like the last thing I saw is always the best thing I saw is like a, a big thing in sports, but that was one of my favorite opening days. You know, we talked about it in our earlier podcast. I went back to one that you and I went to against the Rangers, you know, and we talked about Carlos Pena having the walk off. And there was a couple of years ago, Matt Olson with the grand slam walk off, but this ranks right up there. It wasn't a walk-off, but just the whole experience, the whole game. I didn't go on the field like you, but man, I, I love this opening day. You're right. The Coliseum uh, isn't used to those big yeah. crowds. The people that were taking the easy shots obviously didn't see the concession lines. <laughs> they were uh, they were tough to deal with. But what we talked about uh, last podcast was being there, going and seeing some of those your friends and, and things like that. To be honest, I never made it to the seat that I paid for. Welcome to the Coliseum. <laughs> but what I ended up doing was pulling out my little earbuds and my wireless earbuds. I put those on and I put on Ace Cast, and then I was able to to listen to the the broadcast. And so that way, I was you know not upset and still paying attention. And you know the radio broadcast is just a little bit off, so you you do hear the the fans start cheering or booing or something before but then you're not completely missing it because then you're hearing what's going on i was up and i was moving around but i I wouldn't say i like really missed the game you know because i i was still listening still getting to see you know that's another great thing about the coliseum is there's so many open spots where even when you are in a concession line there's still a a pretty good view not uh, always the best view but you can still get a nice look at what was going on I, I had a great experience. I had a great time. I thought it was a, a great win, very memorable opening day. The problem the problem was was not having a game Friday. You know, it was so great on Thursday night. All I wanted was more A's baseball. I know. You're just like, hey, you got any more of that A's baseball? That's it. Exactly. <laughs> but you bring up a good point because the first two pitchers the A's have faced this season were both guys that pitched well in the WBC. And those were high intensity kind of games. So they have come in. The A's are getting guys that aren't just like coming in trying to knock off the rust. And that game opening night was a good example of the way that the A's want to win. Like we don't have a tremendous amount of power in this lineup right now. There are some guys that can hit homers, but, you know, it's not a lineup where it's stacked with 30 home run kind of guys. They've put a lot of emphasis on athleticism and speed. And that happened with. Ruiz getting on, and right away, that's something fans were buzzing about. I mean, he had the great catch earlier, but they wanted to see him get on base, and they wanted to see him run. And, you know, when he got that opportunity, I mean, everybody was jazzed up for every pitch. Tony Kemp was at bat, but nobody was watching Tony Kemp. They were all watching Ruiz to see if he's going to go. And as soon as the ball got put in play... It was a, you know, a bomb for Tony Kemp standards as far as it was like, you know, he sent one up to the upper decks, but he sent a shot out there. The ball's going out there and right away, everyone, as soon as it like doesn't get caught, the eyes shift right to Ruiz and you got to do it quick because by the time you look down, he was already heading past second base on his way around to score. And that's the way the A's want to get a lot of runs is they are counting on, they, they led spring 
uh, with walks. They're hoping to get guys on base that way and then take advantage of the new rules. And we got to see that on display for how the A's want to win. They they don't want it to always be two to one, but they want to get runs in that way. And Ruiz is one of those guys that you, you're opening day. You've heard about this guy. You've heard how exciting he is. And rarely do those guys that you get built up that you're excited to see out of the spring just come up and like just set the world on fire right away. But he's got a skill with that speed that you were hoping to see every single day. And there was a buzz in the ballpark when Ruiz was on base. Don't, uh, you know, knock off that catch. You know, that speed came into play to get there and make sure that wasn't a ball that went in the gap. And if he doesn't make that catch, that's a three bagger probably, you know, um, great catch and then to see that to go first to third uh first to home on that uh tony kemp uh double there all i was hoping was don't bounce over the wall seeing him come flying in head first dive at home right uh yeah just that was great and you know for everything you've heard it it was incredible for for muller to go out there rookie going against Otani on the big game doing his job it, it's what you wanted to see great great opening day at least that's what I think I'm with you 100 and it's going to be interesting to see you know we've seen them play a little bit with Ruiz where he's been hitting nine or leading off the game and where he eventually settles in eventually I think ideally they want him leading off you know down the line they just want to get him comfortable mm-hmm. they're kind of going with that double lead off kind of situation where you're going to have uh, Tony Kemp and Ruiz back-to-back. So you kind of got those two guys, if you can turn the lineup over, a lot of speed right there. Uh, so that's the early impression of what they're doing. And right now, we've only got a small sample size of it. You know, we haven't seen too much offense from the A's. They've also faced some good pitching in the first two games that they've had. You know, we're, we're waiting to see when some of these guys kind of like get locked in, because that's what... The lineup's going to need. It's going to need Langoliers locked in like a threat. It's going to need Ramon Laureano or Seth Brown kind of locked in, really kind of being that force for extra base hits in the middle. And it's early. You know, it's small sample size, so you can't read too much into it. But we also got our first look at the A's big free agent signing and Shintaro Fujinami pitching on Saturday. And there was a lot of buildup. This is a guy that came over from Japan. The A's were really high on him. You can see why... In the first two innings of that start, but he's also a guy that's a little unproven. You know, he's pitched 10 years in uh, professional baseball in Japan, came over. The A's had it as such a big deal. They actually had a press conference for free agent signing, something they don't normally do. And the first two innings, dazzling. You can see why it all works. The fastball was 99 miles an hour. He was dotting it at the bottom of the zone. The splitter slider was working. I mean, he cruised in those first couple innings, getting Mike Trout. And then as things started to turn around, that third inning, I mean, it was, it all went pear-shaped in the third inning. And the wheels came off the bus. He talked about it after the game, and we'll get into your comments, but I just want to give you his comments first. He said it was pitch sequencing. You know, like he was using that fastball a lot in the first two innings. And the plan in the third inning, they went more to the breaking ball early on. Didn't throw as many fastballs. And it also seemed like the Angels were out there looking like maybe they had kind of limited, hey, don't swing at the fastball. Just look for the breaking ball. Just simplify things and just focus maybe on that. So he's making his major league debut. He's coming over from Japan. Limited scouting report. You know, there's a lot going on there. It's a lot of transition, but 
you know, there's a lot of good that we saw in the first two innings, a lot of bad in that third inning. So what were your first impressions with, with Shohei? Because I, I still think that there's a lot to be optimistic about, despite what happened in that third inning. It was my first time seeing him. From hearing what you've said, he, he can get a lot of strikeouts and uh, he can give up a lot of walks and, and he can lose it. So it was my first time seeing him. That first batter, uh, was it Ward maybe? I, I don't know who the Angels had leading off, but he... Almost hit that ball, and uh, you can see yeah. Fuji like woo. By the way, great reaction from Fuji after that bomb. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so then after that, to just get so dialed in, where now he's just putting guys down, and and to fit, shake that off too, and just you know dial back in three up, three down. Next inning, three up, three down. And as soon as the next inning started, uh, Kuiper and Braden are talking and they're talking about how the wheels can fall off. And they absolutely did. They just completely fell out, could not buy an out. And some of those, you know, that some of those, they were just good hits. Some of them were a little unfortunate. You know, sometimes you, you just want to hit it to where a player is and, and there, there's nobody there. And yeah. You just couldn't buy an out though. And it, it just, it blew up and it really got away. And I got to be honest, it kind of took a little wind out of the sails from that, that opening night vibe, you know, and to be like, man, yeah. I just can't wait. Can't wait for the next game. How do we not have a game on Friday? It, it was a bummer. Minus that third inning though, you know, it was, it was okay. We mm-hmm. still lacking that offense. But the wheels definitely fell off. And that's understandable with the offense because it's deflating with how big an inning. It wasn't like you were down five or six runs and you can, you know, get back into it with one big inning. When you're down 11 runs in the third inning, that is a huge mountain to overclimb, to climb back up and get over. And I, I think that that had a little bit to do with it. We saw, you know, obviously Kotze took advantage of that. He got some guys out. He pulled Ramon Laureano, started getting some other guys in there to get them some at-bats and, you know, get Ryan Noda a chance to get to the plate for the first time as a hitter. And that's just kind of what you got to do. Like, you're not going to see position players pitching that often anymore, but it's like, hey, we got to get some of these guys in there and just kind of lean into, hey, we lost. We're getting ready for tomorrow. And, you know, it was a tough spot for Adam Aller who came in and he was a guy that the A's are looking at as maybe a fifth starter or that kind of like swing man out of the bullpen, he and J.P. Sears. But, you know, even if he was expecting to come in and pitch today, he wasn't expecting to come in that early. He wasn't expecting to be like, get up and go. And now you've got to come in and, you know, try to turn this around. So, you know, it's a little hard to read too much into what we saw from Adam Aller because he wasn't put in the best position to like come in and succeed. And it's not Mark Carth, it's not Mark Kotze's fault. That's just situational you got to do what you got to do. You know, that's one of the things I was thinking without seeing a Fuji pitch and hearing, you know, oh, and then sometimes it just gets away from them. My first thought was, isn't that on the manager? Isn't that on the manager to kind of see that and go, okay, my guy's losing it. Get that other guy going. But you're absolutely right. That wasn't Kotze's fault. And you're you're thinking, you know, like, okay, well, a double play and, you know, we're we're still in this. Get out of the inning. And it just really fell off. Um, but the other side is, it doesn't matter if you lose by 10 runs. It doesn't matter if you lose by one run. A loss is a loss, you know? Yeah. Nobody's going to go out and win every single game. No pitcher's going to win every single game. 
sometimes the blowouts are a little easier to take than those like close ones like ah oh, we just lost it at the end and honestly if he had come out in the post-game press conference and just said it's my first day. Yeah. <laughs> like, it would have been fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. all right. It's all right. But we saw enough in those first two innings that it was like, okay, there's something there. And there is a lot of transition going on for him. Uh, I do wonder a little bit to see that you got to that third inning and to see just how much it just completely blew up. I wonder maybe a bullpen job maybe you're you're a go-to guy for the bullpen i don't know you're right we can't judge him on the first day uh, against a good lineup you know which yeah. is something that we've said too and uh luckily we got to hold them um down on that first game i gotta say i was happy to see though that rendon wasn't a factor yeah you know and so that that's somebody that's that's going to be this season still you know i don't think anyone thinks oh altuve broke his thumb it's a wide open division you know um yeah. the mariners uh after what they did last year if, if anything maybe they're the favorite this year they can pitch man they got a lot of great pitching it, it could be a silver lining year and so yeah. after you know the controversy with rendon as an ace fan also not knowing the whole story right um but just kind of a little bit thinking that what he did was probably outside the lines yeah just a little bit but i didn't know if you saw the full video it was like as the angels were leaving there was a fan that was like going out there and calling like every player that walked by and you know he was just like expecting like every fan does that what you say they just hear it, it rolls off their back and they just keep going and he just kept going he kept going he kept going and he was getting everybody in a row and then he did it like twice basically to rendon and rendon just you know he took it personal hey they just had a tough loss you know those athletes are people too dave stewart brought up a good point uh in the pregame show just saying like imagine you just had a really bad day at the office and someone's just saying all this disrespectful stuff, right? At some point, you as a fan make the assumption like you get all these million dollars to yeah. take a comment on the chin. Um, there is a, a different level between verbal and physical. Knowing not not what's yeah. been said, um, you know, it that makes me feel like Rendon crossed the line a little bit. Big time. Um, yeah, but I, I don't know what was said. That's why there's an investigation. That's why all this other stuff's going on. Dude, you can't grab a you can't grab a fan. It it goes both ways. You can't grab a fan and a fan can't grab a player. If a fan grabs a player, they're getting arrested. Well, absolutely. But you know, you think of the malice in the palace, and I watched a documentary on that and you know, this was before Instagram. This was before that other stuff. And you didn't really get to see the player's point of view. And and not that I excuse what's going on there, but hearing Jermaine O'Neal talk about that and hearing Dave Stewart talk about it today, you are a person. Your job is just really public. We've all had a bad day at work. And to come walking out of your office and someone's now just saying this stuff in your face, like fans have to know too. And and I'm somebody that likes to, you know, heckle. And I've even heckled the third base yeah. coach, right? Who by all accounts is <laughs> yeah, well liked yeah. in the league. <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know I, I like to do that, you know. Um, but you, yeah, people are people. Everyone's a person. Everyone goes through the whole spectrum yeah. of emotions. I do think he should be suspended, you know, like 
If the guy was saying some slurs, that's absolutely inexcusable. Any kind of hate speech, something like that. If he was calling him a B word, I a little bit, I do feel like, man, with what you're making, you got to take that on the chin and just keep walking, just keep walking and move on down. Because you're right, here's the thing. A person's a person and we can like a person and we can not like a person. And A's fans are not going to like Anthony Rendon just for what he did. And like you heard it in that first at bat he had on uh, Saturday, he came out, I mean, before that, was there a reason for A's fans to boo him that loudly? No, but that viral video had everybody in the stadium booing him on Saturday during that first at bat. I'm glad he was 0 for 3 opening night, 0 for 3 tonight, and with that miss hit on uh, hit on the fan, he's 0 for 7. <laughs> you know, he, he was having a rough year. Yeah, so uh, that that to me is the silver linings. Yeah, a lot to be excited about for this A's team. I think that's just kind of the general vibe over the first you know couple games. It's still early, small sample size. The expectations low for what the season results will be, but. I think there were some fun things that we got to see in these early games. You know, we talked about Ruiz. We talked about the positives, the first two innings of Fujinami's start and how that can potentially grow into something really fun to watch. What are your early impressions? Couple games in, is there anything for the A's that really like stood out to you in a couple games that you're like, ah, that's something I like to see? I guess what stood out to me the most was seeing Trevor May in that last start against the Giants in spring when he was wearing some black cleats and getting just lit up. Mm. And then opening night, he switched to some (laughs) white cleats and he did pretty well. And so, honestly, I just think that that is part of the uniform when you're in Oakland. It's white cleats. You need to wear some white cleats. I mean, I know Tony's got some yellow ones, um, but, you know, I this is not a black cleat team. Uh, and I think they just look weird. You know, I don't like the way they look. And, yeah, so I, I definitely like to see that switch. And that's, you know, not one that really matters, but it matters. And, uh, no, there, there were a lot of great things. From Ruiz, we got to see that speed. We got to see how speed translate to baseball success defensively and in, and making some runs happen. So that was great. Um, got to see that win that everyone got up for. And then today, the the silver lining was going, you know, it blew up in that third inning. But other than that, you know, it... it I, I did think this could be one of those ones that goes 20 to 1, 20 to 2. You know, it, it could have gotten really bad. Um, that got limited. What you saw beforehand was just awesome. You know, I, I had to go to a, uh, I got to go to a one year old's birthday today. <laughs> and so, uh, uh, I was listening to the game on the radio, but at first, how that started, I was like, well, I'm not going to leave till he gives up a hit. And, uh, that that changed pretty quickly. And so, but the other thing is, is, you know, we've known that this was not going to really be a team that's going to just go out and fight for the division, probably not even going to fight for the wild card. The other side is watching Moneyball again today, seeing that that's what that team was. You know, that was a team that wasn't supposed to go out and do something. And that's the beauty of baseball, uh, that every game 
and be a historic game. You know, I remember I was at Mike Fire's uh, no hitter, the lights out no hitter when the lights were literally out. Right. And so you never know when something like that's going to happen, even if they don't win the World Series this year, which who knows, maybe they will, right? Like you never know. But there's <laughs> always the chance for something historic to happen for the season or something historic to happen game by game. What I liked was there's young guys. I think there's going to be some growing pains. Um, but like we said last time, it's kind of like those older teams. They're young, but they can play. And they're going out there and they're trying to play. They're trying to, to make some things happen. Uh, hopefully it's not one of those things where you try too hard and then that kind of leads to mistakes. Uh, but from what I've seen, I'm happy to be back out there. Uh, I, I'm happy with what I'm seeing so far. Um, you know, today's was a little bit of a lopsided uh, loss, but, you know, though those are going to happen. So um, I, I'm excited for tomorrow. Uh, I'm planning on going Wednesday against the Indians as well, a day game. So just really happy to have it back, really happy to be getting out there. And, you know, the other thing is, hopefully we're going to be in Oakland. Hopefully this is going to be something that goes for a long time, but we know they're not going to be at the Coliseum for a long time. And there, there are, you know, problems with the, the clubhouse and this and that, but all in all, it is a great stadium for baseball. You know, you'd love the, the, uh, foul territory, foul territory, especially when you've got those corner players that know how to navigate it. And you get to see those great plays. And then you see those out-of-town guys, no idea. And then they're tripping on the bullpen mound, you know. So, uh, it, I, I love to see baseball there. I know Mount Davis has kind of ruined the beautiful views there. But one of the things I was thinking is, like, why not turn Mount Davis into the locker rooms? Why not turn Mount Davis into the clubhouse? Put the facilities over there, you know. Um, it's Kind of unused space. The seats are terrible for baseball. Even when they open Mount Davis, when you're up there, you can see the second base and you can see nothing in the outfield, you know? So, and we all know that was made for the Raiders who mm -hmm. are gone, you know? Um, so, I, yeah, I, 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 the Coliseum's got a, a special spot in my heart. And I know I'm not the only one. I mean, who doesn't love taking a trip to the trough, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> so uh, even if we get a new ballpark, I hope they bring those along. So uh, keep the tradition going. So At least in one bathroom, you know, just a trough. Or, you know, just like a little museum of it, you know? Start so. naming the troughs after players that, like, the A's hate. Like, after a while, like, start just having, like, oh, you know what? This is the Jose Altuve trough. This That's is just a Berlander trough. The Rendon trough. Yeah, that, that'll be for number two. And uh, <laughs> But you brought up a, a good point. We talked about it a little bit. Like, they're young, but they can play. They're not that young a team as far as what opening day starters are. Like, there are some young guys in there, like Ruiz and Shea Langoliers. But you look around at, like, Jesus Aguilar, like, uh, Diaz. Like, there's some veteran guys on this. Tony Kemp, another one. There, there are some veteran guys on this team that these want to see kind of, like, raise the overall level and like set a standard you know like this is what it takes to be a big leaguer like they brought in guys to be examples for these young guys that are going to be coming up throughout the year because you're not going to finish the year the 26 guys that are on the roster to start opening day that's not the team for the whole season you're going to be using guys that are in the minor leagues right now you're going to maybe make some trades through the season you're going to have guys get hurt 
and you're going to have opportunity for some of those young guys and they're going to be able to be around some guys that have done it before and have won whether it's you know uh diaz or tony kemp and you know you want them to soak in some of that and to be examples and who's going to grab those spots you know kyle muller on opening day how often do you see a rookie get the ball on opening day in a new organization Uh, he did have a couple starts in the big leagues you know last year but a first impression a very impressive first impression and there's going to be a lot of fun things that we're going to get a chance to see later on throughout this year if some of those young players that didn't break camp with the A's this year guys like Lawrence Butler and Tyler Sodomstrom and you know Zach Geloff when his shoulder is fine again you're probably going to see some of those guys get an opportunity uh and I'm looking forward to that the other thing I wanted to ask you about is like we got our first chance to see what baseball looks like with the pitch clock and we talked a little bit about it earlier in this podcast there, but I'm just wondering, like, overall, what were your impressions of being at a game with a pitch clock versus what we saw last year? And you want an example of how effective the pitch clock is? That blowout game on Saturday where they lost, you know, with Fuji on the hill, only two hours and 24 minutes. You know, previous years, a blowout game like that, that's where you're going to see the effect because you're not going to have those games that are three and a half, 340. And it's not going to be those fast, tight, two-to-one kind of games that you're going to see the biggest impact. It's going to be the games that wind up being three hours this year. Those are the games that used to be three and a half, four hours long. Mm-hmm. And those are going to mm-hmm. be gone. And that's where you're really going to feel good about things. Now, I've got to say, I'm a fan of the pitch clock from what I've seen so far. I was talking about the benefits of technology and being able to listen to A's cast while I was in the concession line. The other side of technology is, you know, and you can see it. What you, you watch it on TV and they pan to the, the stands and the fans. And there's how many people do you see on their phones scrolling? And you're at the stadium. You have paid to be there and you're on your phone. And so that when we were talking about the World Baseball Classic and we were talking about when it was in Japan, when you look at those Japanese fans, they are dialed in. Nobody had their phone out. And, you know, they're like golf clapping after every pitch. And so I'm somebody that's guilty of it as well, especially if I'm watching at home and, you know, it, and it's not really going our way. But it's just so much faster that it's a lot, it's a lot harder to even be distracted by that. So the pitch clock. I'm going to say I'm a big fan. You know, back in the day with the big three, we loved Mark Mulder games because those were two and a half hours or less. So even without just knowing that it's Mulder out there, because, you know, he's he's not out there anymore, but having those games that are that quick, it's great. When it feels like Mark Mulder versus Mark Burley every single time you're going out there, oh it's going to be gosh, two hours, 13 race, minutes, right? you know, like it's perfect. I'm a big fan of that. At that birthday party I was at today, somebody came up and they're like, what do you think of the new rules? And I was like, actually, I'm for them. And uh, they were like, I don't like the runner on second and extra inning. Like, okay, well, that's not, you know, a, a new, new rule. But I, I hear that as well, you know. Um the other side is I I like when those extra inning games go extra. And sometimes I am, how far are we going to go? And knowing that we're probably not going to get that deep anymore. It's a some cost mindset though. Like you're at some point when it's getting into like the 18th inning and you're looking at the clock being like, I've already invested three and a half, four hours into this game. Am I going to give up now? Like those are the people that like, 
sit there because they're sitting there wa- doing the Mr. Burns and be like, I love- excellent, I love the chaos. The thing is, is, you know, when the games were close and it didn't look like there was a lot between the two teams and you're getting to the bottom of the seventh, then you go buy two beers thinking you're going to extra sure. things and you're yeah. not. And then when you're like, okay, <laughs> I'm not going to do this. Now we're at 14, 15 innings and you're like, ah, like, I guess I'll get an RC Cola. And uh, those days are gone, but I missed an RC Cola when we were at the ballpark on opening day. I got a lemonade. It was a great, great lemonade. Actually, I got two. I went and got a pink lemonade as well. And uh, I actually heard somebody outside the stadium when I was walking up and they were like, they have great lemonade here. I don't think I've ever had one. I was a big fan. The vendor was walking by, lemonade, lemonade. And I called out lemonade and he actually looked at me like, Really? Do you want one? No, I was like, yeah, I want one. He's like, this is for kids, yeah. man. Is your mom gonna buy it for you? <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> no, actually, great lemonade there. Uh, really enjoyed that. But no, I'm I'm a fan of the new rules. You know, the bases. I didn't really notice them at first. It was kind of out of sight and out of mind. Well, as soon as it was pointed out, and then I was like, those are huge. Like, did they take the pizza out before they put those down? So, been a fan. Uh, The other thing was, when you see the pitcher make the pickoff move and the stadium starts booing, you know, because we know he's trying to disrupt some timing or this or that. But now it's like, no, don't boo. Encourage him to do that again. And, and and make them think, hey, that guy's getting a big lead. Hey, look, look, look. So it it's a little bit of a shift of the culture, I think, as well. And something I think maybe fans aren't used to, too. So I think now we do want to see him doing a pickoff move. We do want to see, oh, you actually, you were a little close. Maybe you'll get him next time and you miss him again. And then you get to see, look how dirty my lead is. Like, what are you going to do about it? I've been a fan so far. I, I do wonder, sorry, uh, but... What's that pitch clock going to do in a close game bottom of the ninth? You know, when you get to that, and we haven't really gotten to see that. We we got to see it a little bit on uh, opening day because it was a, a close play. But I'm talking about when we're in the dog days and you've got to pick up these Ws. I, I, it'll be interesting to see what happens then. You brought up uh, a shift and uh, and things like that. And, and I think one of the biggest changes for the shift that I've noticed very early on in the season, because you can't shift to those lefties, mm-hmm. second base is a way more important defensive position than I think mm-hmm. it's been before. Because you don't get as much help. You're going to have to cover that ground yourself. And you're going to, you've already seen like how much extra work Tony Kemp makes incredible plays over there at second base. We've seen uh, Diaz make some plays and, you're just going to have to be very athletic. You got to get to that ball so quick. Get up, flip your hips, get it over to first base because it's shorter distance for the runner just trying to get over there. It's harder to turn a double play because the shorter distance between first and second base, balls are getting on you fast. And it's almost like you've got to be a shortstop. And I wonder how things will change with that shift rule because. You know, you used to have a lot of guys at second base where it wasn't as important necessarily as a defensive position. Being good at it was great, but, you know, that's a place that maybe like a team like the Rangers will have an advantage. And they've got a guy in Marcus Simeon who was a gold glove caliber shortstop after the way he started his career, became a very good defender, and now he's over at second base. And what an advantage that'll be if you've got that kind of athlete and that kind of defensive prowess at second base, which is going to be more and more important, especially when there's, you know, no shift in a lot of lefties in the lineup. 
the other side of that is is when you don't have that and you are doing a platoon and you're not out there every day and like oh okay well i'm getting used to it and you're playing first base one day and then you're playing left field the next day you know so that goes back to you know having the platoon not having the this is our first baseman every day this is our second baseman every day uh you're right so it is too early of a sample size i think it was otani who said you know like um, he could see the benefit of it, uh, getting some hits that he thought normally wouldn't be hit. So uh, early sample size, I, I think there is still a lot to figure out. From the, the, the pitch clock, I think, is the most significant change, right? Because you you probably wouldn't see an 11-run third inning if the pitcher could just like, I, I'm going to gain my composure here. I'm going to take a big deep breath. And I'm going to figure some things out. And you just don't really get the chance to do that. And I think it was Real Muto was saying that he was feeling the pressure as the catcher. You know, knowing like we're we're like going and knowing that you're calling those pitches and knowing that that, those pitch sequences was a little bit of the Achilles uh, tendon today, knowing that you've got that pressure and that's building in your mind. So you're not so much thinking of that. And so... Uh, I think the biggest shift for me is the pitch clock. As a fan, I've been a fan. You bring up a good point with the pitch clock, too. And, you know, it's something we got to see with Fujinami on Saturday, which was when you get a pitcher on the ropes, and unfortunately the A's were on the bad end of this, when you get a pitcher on the ropes, you're Mm going to have an easier time keeping them on the ropes because you're not going to be able to just kind of step off, take your time, try to slow the game down like guys had done before. You're not going to be able to have the pitching coach come out there and have that meeting on the mound and take that breath that you need in the middle of when it just seems like, oh, the next guy, I got to get going, I got to get going, I got to get going. And, you know, we saw early on in those first two innings, uh, Fuji was very deliberate. You know, he took his time, he would get settled in, and he was making a lot of those pitches with about four or five seconds left on the pitch clock and he was really settled in. And then you you do feel like you got to speed up a little bit. You talked about that pressure. You feel that pressure. You got to start working a little faster. And, you know, like it can get in guys' heads. And, you know, the A's didn't get a chance to take advantage of that. But they might in the future. Maybe they didn't in that opening game uh, on opening day when, you know, they got a, a reliever on the ropes a little bit. But that's what you're hoping to see, you know, maybe force the action a little bit more. Is if, if you start getting to a guy... Uh, you might be able to to really knock him out. And unfortunately, the A's were on the the short end of the stick for that on Saturday's game. But that's something that could be part of the pitch clock. So I do have a question, and maybe you know it, maybe you don't, but it does go into that. When you're kind of, the wheels are falling off, you can't really gain your composure, um, knowing the sequence is off, the pickoffs, right? Like, can you pick off to first and then pick off to third and then go to second? Like how, how does that work? Or is it just three pickoffs per a batter? Doesn't matter what base you're going to. Yeah. And and you bring up a good point because that's part of the new rules is like, everyone's looking for those advantages. Like we saw it in spring training. And even at the start of this season where the pitchers are like sitting there waiting after a guy calls timeout. And as soon as he steps back, they're like ready to go and try to catch you without a chance to like look up and everything. We saw an umpire in that Yankees, uh, uh, I think it was the Yankees and Giants game where he got a guy right away. He's like, no, 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 no. Like you got to stop. You got to wait until I tell you that you can go. And guys are still trying to play around with those rules right now to see where can I get an advantage? Where can I get a breather? 
And I know there was some talk, you know, people wanted to say like, hey, you know, 15 seconds is a little fast for every single pitch. You know, like we need a little bit of time in between, but that's not the way it is right now for baseball. And you're right. Like guys are going to start looking for that uh, break that they can get one way or the other. And if they can find a way to do it, maybe it's going to be when they're like, hey, I need a new ball. And they toss it out and be like, oh, no, this one's not good either. And they just kind of like, you just got to see guys keep getting a new ball and throwing away. And it'll be like in Parks and Rec when Ron Swanson got the fake, the turkey, the fake bacon. And he just kept taking another, throw it away, another, throw it away. And just that'll be your way that you start like buying time. Or you go throw it out and you're, it doesn't leave the field to play. And yeah, you toss it. Oh, yeah, the ball boy's got to run out here and go get it. Yeah, or you yeah. just toss it to the side, you know. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think in something like that, like we saw with uh, Real Muto asking the umpire for right. the ball, you, you, you might see a, a, a short fuse umpire saying, uh-uh, we're not doing that, you're out of here, you know. So it will be interesting to see that. Um, I'd never really considered how the pickoff moves and the pitch clock went hand-in-hand until you know today kind of watching fuji that was a way for guys to kind of get that composure also to let that reliever warm up a little more give him a few more pitches because you know hey i'm done they're coming for me but he's cold i i need to let him get up there and so even when the wheels are falling off and you gotta get a guy up there quick he might be coming in not too warm and he's gonna get lit up so it i think we are still a little too early to to see well obviously to see all the possible scenarios but to see the impact of the rule change gotta say though you know i'm a huge baseball fan but there sometimes especially if it's a day game and you're sitting in that coliseum it, it's it's cold outside. You got your sweatshirt on, all that. As soon as you're sitting there in those seats, it's like an oven, and it gets turned on, and then it's just hot. And when you're just baking for three, three and a half hours, yeah, you start getting like, okay, let's wrap this one up. Oh, and if you forget your sunscreen, yeah, forget about it. It's day over. Yeah, go hang out in the treehouse and watch it on TV at that point. And you know, it, it's going to be interesting because I do wonder. You know, Saturday was a little bit of a fluke. Adam Aller does have some experience coming out of the bullpen, so it's not like a foreign concept to him. But if you're going to need that long guy and you can see it, I wonder if we start to see more managers or even Marcotte say, instead of bringing Aller in and trying to get him ready fast, knowing he's going to be in for the rest of the game, I'm going to use a reliever right now. Maybe I'm going to use a guy who's used to coming in, getting ready fast. I'm going to bring in, you know, somebody really quickly, come in, Get us out of this inning, all or you're going in for the next inning for the next, you know, four or five innings and giving him a chance to be more on a routine and letting the reliever be a little bit more on a routine at the same time. And I wonder if you ever get to a point where you just sacrifice a player and you're like, look, you you are <laughs> going to just go out there and you're probably going to get tossed because I'm going to have you. No, yeah. this ball's no good. Just throw right. it over there. And I just need time. I need time for Aller to get ready. And we're, we're going to give you an easy day, a short day. So uh, you like, yeah, bring out the starting pitcher from the day before, send him back out to the mound to just like get ejected and kill some time. Yeah, that's it. Not yeah. going to go out and argue with him. You know, you argue. I want to hear a good argument out of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so who knows? Who knows what we'll see? I, I think there it, it does open the, the window for some creativity. In the, yeah. And great so roster utilization right there. It sounds like a Tony LaRusa kind of strategy. You know, use them all. Use hey, them we'll all. pay the five, baby. 
maybe we'll pay the fine. Don't worry about that. That's it's on it. us. You know? like, yeah, they gotta gotta do something with that money, right? Yeah. All right. Well, Rick, it's good talking a little A's baseball. It's good to have actual games that matter to talk about again. Cool vibes from opening day. We'll see how that progresses. You know, the A's are going to be here till Wednesday before they hit the road. Still early in the season. Good first impression on opening day. Not as good on, you know, the second day. We'll see how this kind of plays out and how, you know, the A's kind of give you something to stay invested in, to watch. And they're going to be entertaining, I think, a lot, definitely, a lot more than last year. And I think there's more to watch because when you see some of those guys, like a, like a Ruiz, that you think, like, I'm invested in watching this guy. I'm invested mm-hmm. in watching Kyle Moeller because it, even if it's the early days when you're waiting for all that to click... There's a reason to tune in to say like, hey, I think Shea Langoliers is going to be a guy that's going to be here for a few years. I want to see him. It's like getting the band's t-shirt before they blow up. I mm-hmm. want the Langoliers t-shirt mm-hmm. right now so that when all of a sudden he's an all-star, I'd be like, oh, I knew I knew way back then that he was going to be great. And so I'm excited to see all that. Excited to talk East baseball with you all week. You've been listening to Win or Hughes Bay Area Sports Podcast with a heavy focus on the Oakland A's. New episodes. Every Monday, you can find us on Twitter at Win or Hughes. You can find me on Twitter at Vegas Joe Hughes. We have podcasts out wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to like and subscribe. New videos on YouTube as well. Looking forward to talking to you again next Monday. Thanks for listening to the Winner Hughes podcast. Make sure to like and subscribe.